0: Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of All Car Radio. This week we're going to look at some of the latest motoring news, and one of the burning things we want to speak about is the new Top Gear.
1: Yeah, so welcome back, and uh, for me the new Top Gear, it just doesn't feel like Top Gear, I'm not sure about you, but those of you that don't know, they've introduced cricketing legend Freddie Flintoff, and also the Paddy half of Max and Paddy, Paddy McGuinness, along with... Old faithful Chris Harris, who has been on the series since the original guys from Top Gear, well, my generation of Top Gear, left. So what do you think about the episodes? Do you think that they'll ever go back to the old formula, which was, you know, with James, Richard and Jeremy?
0: I really don't think so, to be honest with you. I think those days are long gone, especially now we've got the Grand Tour. Or maybe we don't anymore because even that's come to a sort of a, an end in terms of mm. cars. I think they'll turn that to a travel show, aren't they, now? But I think Freddie Fwintoff, Guinness, as much as I like them both, two unlikely candidates for a car programme. Or one that's known to be a very traditional like car programme.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. It it feels like it's two northerners taking the mick out of a short southern guy for being a motoring journalist, and One thing that I always liked about Jeremy and Richard and James was they were motoring journalists first and TV presenters second. Now, Where they seem to fall over is Frey Flintoff does okay on TV. He's obviously on the uh, league of their own. But Paddy McGuinness doesn't feel to me like the right sort of presenter. And that comes across with all of their gaps in the show. I just don't feel like it will ever have the same level of success that it used to.
0: It's possibly a bit too heavy on the jokes at the moment. Rather than uh, showcasing one car having their own flair on it. That being said, though, Chris Harris is, in my opinion, one of the best motoring journalists out there. I think he did a lot of videos for a YouTube channel called The Drive. Absolutely phenomenal videos on there. And his opinions, I think, are well respected by a lot of people as well.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Chris Harris continues to be the old flavor of Top Gear that certainly I went back to watch it for. but. I just feel like it's become a bit of a comedy show. And I know there was a chemistry between Jeremy, Richard and James, but it feels like it's being forced and not in the way that Chris Evans tried to force it, but in a a new way that feels almost like they're mocking someone for being intellectual around a subject that is cars.
0: Yeah, but I feel like the the new trio are a lot more animated in terms of personality than sort of the, the three we're used to you know, Clarkson, Hammond, May. Um, It's just, it's like dry, old British humour that came out of it. Like the type of folks you'd see stood at the bar or whatever at the pub. That you'd have a pint with and just have a laugh rather than, like you said before, just two northerners just there to take the mick.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, the the other issue I have with it is it feels very male dominated. Uh, I think one thing that the Grand Tour managed to do fairly well was have that. Sort of genderless influence across it. Yes, it was three guys presenting, but they seem to just have a, a broad spectrum of audience.
0: And they had Abby the uh, test driver as well for all of the you know she set the lap times uh, on the Ebola drum. I think yeah. it was called. Well, much better than the American they had.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I agree with that. Top Gear still uses Shabeen Schmidt, and she's an incredible driver. But again, I feel like she almost has a, a dry sense of humour that fits in with a more masculine audience than um, sort of a gender neutral or a feminine audience. But that sort of leads us on to our next topic, which is the W Series, so the women-only racing series. Now, this is something that I've followed fairly closely recently, and I honestly think it's it's an amazing series. It just goes to show that racing prowess and racing ability doesn't need to have a gender. Recently, the teams in the office went to uh, team karting uh, to go go-karting, and they Absolutely quickly, dominated. Yeah, quickly got... <laughs> found out that there was no uh, bias, you know, Although some of the lads here drive fairly fast cars, I think it's safe to say on equal footing as the go-karts were, the women showed up, most of the lads. Oh
0: yeah, I was driving like Miss Daisy and they were driving like Ken Block.
1: Yeah, so, you know, and I think this W Series, especially with the British drivers, so we've got Jamie Chadwick, Esme, Hawkey, Sarah Moore, Alice Powell and Jessica Hawkins. You know that's a strong lineup of British racing drivers, and I think they're what have made it so interesting for me. It also helps um you know as with Formula One and we'll touch on that later, but Jamie Chadwick currently has two wins from the w series she's an f three driver and she's currently leading the championship with Sarah Moore, uh, I believe, is in fourth. So two British drivers scoring big points, and hopefully that's how the series ends. Possibly with two Brits on the podium.
0: I'm surprised that there's not more sort of an influence with Formula E with the women's series on there as well.
1: Yeah, the I mean the. There are women drivers in Formula One as test drivers or as uh, pro- uh, prototype drivers. The same with Formula E, but it feels like it, it's a boys club. It feels like it's been that way for far too long. And the last female driver in Formula One, sadly, uh, had a very serious incident in one of the cars, uh, I believe crashing into a truck, which gave her some disabilities moving forward in life. And, I I think that was a shame. I I was ready a few years ago to see a woman at the top of motorsport racing. And that's why I feel like the W Series with a Renault champion in there, a, a Jeanette junior champion in there, a British open champion. You know, these women have already proved themselves in motor racing. They just haven't had the opportunity at the top flight. And whether that's a bias with the, funders and with the sponsors because we all know that money talks when it comes to formula one but i want to see women taking on the likes of Lewis Hamilton, Sebastian Vettel, Max Verstappen who's a young amazing driver but i want to see them all fighting mm. and i want to see the whites of Jamie Chadwick up there competing with them proving that it's more than the car it is the driver
0: yeah, and that's the sort of stuff that's going to be on display at Goodwood Festival of Speed this weekend. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think this time, I'm not sure if they've revealed the, the sort of special event yet. I think last time they were celebrating an anniversary, I don't know if it was the 25th, I might be wrong on that. That being said, they had, um, I think it was an Iron Rover Discovery there on two wheels to set a world record. And they went all the way through the uh, display track on two wheels without crashing.
1: Yeah, no, the, certainly that that's amazing when you're in um, a small, lightweight car, but to do it in such a big vehicle is always impressive. I know that this year the central piece is based uh, around Aston Martin, so that, again, should be a really big article uh, that everyone will cover, no doubt, certainly with the Valkyrie and certainly with the Vulcan and the partnerships that they've made. I think that they've got a good chance to make a, a big statement at the this year's festival.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's usually the British brands that are always on display there. I think Jaguar and Rover always have like a hill climb experience, things like that, to get involved in. And I think they have like an F type arena that you can just drift the car around in circles in, mm. or oh, like a driving experience, that type of thing. There'll be like passenger rides in those Aston Martins as well as they go through the test track. But I think that has to be done beforehand.
1: Yeah, well, there's a competition that I I don't know if it's ended yet to win a ride in their car with Ken Block, which again, it will be massive for a huge fan of his. But that's what Goodwood seems to bring together. It's everyone from every genre of motor racing, whether you're on two wheels, three or four, you know, or more in some cases. They have NASCAR, they've got Formula 1, they've got drifting, they've got hill climb, they've got classic, they've got uh, e-vehicles and hybrid. I mean, this year, Ferrari, last year actually, presented one of their electric-powered uh, yeah, hybrids. it
0: might have been an FXXK, I think.
1: And this year, they're producing two amazing concepts-turned-production cars, so Again, I think people are excited to see what Ferrari bring to it, and then for me, you know, you've got the likes of racing legends like Jackie Stewart, who will be giving an interview or having an interview uh, towards the end of the festival on the Sunday. We should point out as well that Goodwood uh, is on from this Thursday, so starting for us, it's tomorrow and ending on Sunday, the sixth of June. So Goodwood actually runs this year from Thursday. For us, that's tomorrow and ends on Mm. Sunday. So there's a good few days of just festival of speed.
0: Mm. Hopefully we'll see some new electric cars as well. Because I know that Honda are currently showing off their e-prototype a little bit. You know, the little cutesy hatchback looking thing. Mm. Looks like an old Golf. I think you said that about a lot of cars. Um, and the likes of stuff like that I think the Audi S8 also got revealed recently as well, we might see that down there but the S8, unlike the other S models that have been announced as diesels, this one is going to be a V8 petrol with I believe 571 brake horsepower we need that in a car of that size
1: yeah, I mean it it seems like Audi are producing rather than the limousines like the uh, you know, the S long, instead they're going for big executive saloons that are just
0: powerful ultra modern on the inside as well
1: so we spoke about jackie stewart there as well and we can't forget that silverstone is coming up very soon in fact it's just a week away the formula one calendar is always exciting i certainly enjoy the the mix of circuits night races day races and it always helps that there's a Brit fighting for the world championship in fact leading it ahead of his teammate and ahead of Sebastian Vettel in my personal favourite team which is Ferrari but there's been talk for a while about Silverstone is iconic on the calendar but they need to get more people into Formula 1 and a few years ago I know that they toyed with the idea of a London street circuit what do you think about cars racing on the streets in the uk
0: i love the idea of it but it also takes away from that sort of spectator experience like if you go to a football match it's the environment you're in yeah you're in that you enjoy going to the stadium being surrounded by like-minded people obviously you'll still be surrounded by like-minded people at a race but you're not at the track at the stands anymore so everyone's dispersed through the city you've not quite got the same view that you would get at a racetrack But it is something completely unique, so maybe more people will watch it from a broadcast point of view. But maybe people just don't get that excited anymore about racing in general. I mean, certainly as a spectator, can you imagine staying for the full 24 hours of Le Mans? Yeah. Some do it, but not everyone.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And, I mean, Silverstone's used by a plethora of uh, motorsports and I think if it includes Silverstone and the London Street Circuit then perhaps it's a good thing but one thing that I wouldn't want to see is them taking away from these designed by experts uh, racetracks that need their own funding and races like Silverstone Formula One Grand Prix is a big draw for them because they obviously might have GP2 before it, or or, uh, Formula 3, maybe even different lower-class races. And I just think it'd be a shame to lose circuits like Silverstone in the UK if we move to street circuits. Monaco is a great example. Monaco is iconic. Everyone wants to win there. But ultimately, because it's tight roads, The race is won or lost typically on the Saturday during qualifying. Whoever's in pole tends to finish the race in first. And the track layout, I believe, was around Isle of Dogs and, you know, over London Bridge or Tower Bridge. And I just feel like London and and British roads in general perhaps aren't designed for cars that are Millimeters off the floor. Oh yeah,
0: definitely. I think we've got a lot of puddles to fill before we start racing on our streets. Anyway.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it just seems like utter madness to me to take something that is so sort of iconic in British motorsport and then to move it into something that seems absolutely mental.
0: Yeah, it is a bit of a crazy idea, but it's uh, something sort of straight out of Forza Motorsport, something like that. You know, one of those games. And that's another weird thing that's been uh, in the news recently. Uh, Forza's partnership with the Lego of all brands.
1: Yeah, I, I was confused by this because Forza to me was a simulator. Then Horizon was more arcade, but it kept that you know crisp image of whatever nation or countryside it was replicating. And Forza Horizon 4, hmm. I believe, was based sort of UK Lake District. Yeah, it's
0: usually the Australian Outback, but now we're in the UK. I mean, each Forza game... The Horizon series is known for being an arcade game, mm. or the arcade arm of the Forza series, but how far do they want to go in that arcade aspect? But that being said, Lego is a strange partnership, but last year, or the year before that, the Hot Wheels DLC got announced for Forza Horizon 3, and everyone was sort of thrown off by that as well. But it turned out to actually be quite good. I think it's just people have the perception that, oh, Lego's that for kids.
1: Yeah, but- I mean, Hot Wheels for me being able to drive a, a silly walking car, you know, you can still give it some realistic statistics. But I, I, I mean, my memory of, of Lego is long before the Technics and the the RC and the Same. motorized ones. But I can't remember building a Lego car that looked anything remotely like an actual vehicle. Mm. It was always just flatbed axles with chunky off-road tyres because that's all you could get and sort of blocks stacked on top of each other for a body.
0: Yeah, and they, they did release some Hot Wheels cars with the one uh, a couple of years ago, but this new DLC, they've made Lego cars and I think that is all all you can sort of race as part of the feature. Right. But they look so strange yeah, It doesn't make me want to think, oh, yeah, I really want to pick that Lego Ferrari and race it around a Lego track. Whereas the Hot Wheels dealers yeah. say you could pick whatever your favorite car was and race it around the sort of slick tracks. And they added new tires as well, like especially for those tracks. Mm. Um, but there was an element of like an old neon style arcade retro game where you fly off jumps and ramps and go through rings, things like that. Jump through yeah. flames, you know, all sorts. Whereas this Lego one, it is, there, there's like hills and stuff you can jump off of. But it's very much like taking the original Forza map and just making it all Lego.
1: that seems like a lot of work for very little return, and I understand that if there's um you know men and women playing Forza and their kids want to get involved, the last thing you want them to do is to ruin your perfect sort of win ratios and things like that so Lego may be a good way in for them, but I don't know i I just can't see that partnership fitting with what I perceive the audience of Forza, even Forza Horizon, yeah. and to I've, be.
0: Forza games have a big cult following as well. And the Lego thing is a whole far out idea for them. The, the previous DLC for Forza Horizon 4 was sort of a drift mountain DLC. Hmm. Um, just a, a whole island dedicated to like long sweeping curves, a couple of off-road trails if you prefer sort of rally style. Uh, driving but it was it was jaggedy it was it was mountain climbing you could do all sorts it's more for the sort of jdm fans like drifting and two gay racing
1: yeah see th- that i can see working with forza but again we're going back to lego blocks i mean e- even if you look at the replica cars you can still tell that they're lego and I just can't see them fitting in. And if they've had to create it as an add-on and turn everything Lego, I just feel like it's a stretch.
0: As you mentioned before, it might be just a move to uh, get kids and stuff like that involved in the game. Um, Possibly they might even sell it as part of a, a console bundle around Christmas time.
1: Yeah, I suppose that makes more sense.
0: So anyway, around this time, I normally mention some of the best deals of the week. However, this week we wanted to highlight just one car in particular because of how good a deal it is and the huge savings available on it, which is the Jaguar XF. And uh, the one on offer is a 250 brake horsepower petrol R-Sport automatic.
1: Yeah, no, the the car itself looked absolutely amazing. And to be honest, for the price that we're able to offer it, I, I think that it's a steal.
0: Yeah, so it starts from £275, that's inclusive of that, uh, over two years, obviously it's starting from, so that there'd be 5,000 miles per annum, that one. Um, but it's a 42 grand car. So to have that for 275 a month, I mean, that's sort of Golf GTI territory, really. And that has a much lower uh, RRP.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, the car itself seems to be the best deal that I've seen since being here. That's over two years. And I honestly don't know if we'll get another deal like this in the near, near future.
0: So we've got about 35 cars in stock across two different colors. So black or white. But I think we do have a variation of the black in metallic. So technically three colours, but each car comes with all goodies like heated seats, sat-nav, huge alloy wheels, I think about 18-inch on this one.
1: I know that the seats are perforated leather as well as being heated, and the, the rear of the car is very spacious. It's a fairly large saloon. Big exec saloon, yeah. That's what you want from an executive car, and it stands out as well, rather than... I mean, We don't like to criticise any cars on all-car radio, but when you stand it next to a BMW 5 Series or you stand it next to maybe an Audi A6, the XF just seems to stand out to me. And I feel like it's the car that people want, but some for some reason don't choose.
0: Yeah, but I think a big reason people don't choose the Jag is because usually the price point is a little bit too high. Yeah. And the likes of the 3 Series, Mercedes, I mean, Mercedes have been huge on contract hire for years, more than anyone else, really. So you would normally get a C-Class for this kind of money, uh, and the Jaguar cost you an extra 100 quid more a month. So, of course, you would go for a C-Class. But in this case, now we've finally got this Jaguar down to like realistic levels. In fact, it's past that.
1: Yeah, no, it it's cheaper than most of the E-Classes that we've got on the website. certainly cheaper than any 5 Series deal I'm currently aware of. I mean, it just stands out to me as one of the best deals that we have and it seems to be promoting itself almost. You know, people are inquiring on this car left, right and centre and I suppose it's because it's exclusive to all car leasing that that's why we're seeing so much traffic But you know historically cars like this don't stay around very long and certainly as you said limited we well we had 35 i'm certain that we've already sold a few by now Mm. so if you're listening to the podcast and you are interested in the jaguar xf we're always providing personalized quotes to people and so if you're listening fairly recently you may want to inquire yeah i would be
0: asking sooner rather than later in this case
1: Historically, cars like this and deals like this don't tend to stick around for very long. And I know originally we had 35 cars in stock. We've already sold a few. And if you're listening to the podcast right now and you are interested in in the Jaguar XF, then I would contact us as soon as possible.
0: Uh, But I'll leave a link in the description below so you can check out the deal for yourself. Fingers crossed it's still there for you. But that's it from us this episode. If you enjoyed our episode, be sure to check out some of our other podcasts. We cover quite a few range of topics, including some of our commission surveys, new car news, that type of thing. But until next time, thank you for listening.